Well, coming up this half hour, we are expecting to hear from Premier John Horgan. We will bring that to you live when he begins to speak to the province. Right now, though, we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of stay home if you can and the psychology of getting people to stay at home. Azim Sharif is an associate professor of social psychology at UBC and joins me on the line now. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, happy to do so, Jill. It's one of those strange things where the message has been given again and again and again. Uh, In some cases, we've seen people not paying attention. We keep hearing from politicians that they're pleased. For the most part, people are. Uh, What is your take on how we're kind of leaving it to the honor system of people staying at home and, and doing what the doctors are telling us? Well, I actually, I've been impressed because it's such a tricky thing to do from a psychological perspective. Humans are pretty hard. Uh, they're pretty bad at, at making risk-based decisions, and they're pretty bad at dealing with counterfactuals. So the idea that you should stay home so that this other thing doesn't happen to somebody's grandma that you'll never meet, that's a tricky thing to do. The fact that people are doing it at all, I think, is pretty impressive. Right, because it's not the message isn't stay at home. I mean, it is to a certain extent stay at home because you could get this virus. But a lot of people are thinking, well, even if I got it or I carried it, um, so what? It's not the, to to keep yourself healthy so much as it's to not to pass it on to other people. That's right. So the the research has shown that that sort of framing works a lot better. People are more persuaded by pro social framing, which gets people to avoid spreading it to other people than they are by framing, which is just warning people from getting it themselves. And part of the reason for that is that humans have an optimism bias. So we think that other people are more, much more likely to get the virus than we are. Uh, so spreading it to other people seems like more of a risk than actually spreading it to ourselves. And how do we deal with the idea of, well, well these new rules don't apply to, <clears throat> apply to me. I can go out. I can be careful. These rules are for other people. Well, I think the social norm is, is very strong there, right? So one of the things that humans are acutely aware of is, is hits to their own reputation. That's a very immediate thing in a way that you can abstractly care about that grandma we talked about before, but you don't really feel it in your bones. Social shaming and social approval is something that you really feel in your bones. And I think those are powerful tools to wield to get people to immediately respond to something like that. So if you're, if you're in a supermarket and you're the only one not wearing a mask, you will feel that. I will feel a sense of social shame. Uh, that you will respond to quite powerfully. In the same way you have these, um, this cheering that happens at 7 o'clock, which I love. I live downtown, so I hear it all the time. And that's a great way of conveying to people, even though what you're really trying to do there is, is you know, do it for the frontline workers, you're conveying to people what the norms of the society are and rewarding people for being part of that, for, for following those norms makes it very difficult to then go be a hypocrite at 7.30 and be behaviorally irresponsible. Even though I, I, I was thinking about that and thinking, is it similar at all how do people might like something on Facebook or, or like something on social media and, and kind of that term of slacktivism, like you've done your job, oh, I liked it, I've shown my support, but then maybe in every other aspect of your life, you do nothing to support the charity or do and nothing to actually do something, to, to, to make a change in that. Do, is there any possibility that people are doing that at seven o'clock and thinking, okay, I've done my job and aren't thinking about it after that? I think, to, so this is actually an area where there's debate within the literature. It's, it's in this idea of self-signaling, that you're signaling to yourself your own moral stance. Uh, and that can do one of two things. One is that it makes you stick to that moral stance across the various domains of your life better. The other is that it adds this moral licensing thing. You've done your part, 
So you bought a Prius, so now you can drive as much as you want. Or whatever, you recycled, so now you can drive as much as you want. Something like that. Um, it seems I, that the literature seems to be leaning towards the first thing, which is the idea that if you're conveying to yourself that you're somebody who supports these particular norms, you're going to then adhere to them across the other domains a little better. So I think I think it'd be very hard to survive the hypocrisy of being that person who's banging on their pot at seven o'clock and then at seven fifteen going out and I don't know licking vegetables or something. <laughs> Let's hope no one's doing that. Um, you talked a little bit about shaming, and we've seen that, and we've also heard from a health official saying you don't really know somebody's situation. If you're if you're thinking that you're going to shame two people who are sitting in a park too close together, you don't know whether they're living together or they're in the same household. Do you think though? D- does shaming does it does it get people kind of wound up about this? Does it work? Well, I think it works in in some of the subtle ways that we talked about before about being the only person who's not wearing a mask. I think that it can it can also provoke some defensiveness uh, in those types of situations where you're talking about, uh, and that can yeah that that can have negative consequences. But I think that it can be used in ways which with positive consequences. You're right. You're not going to know whether these two people live together, and so you shouldn't go up to them. And, you know, push them apart. You shouldn't be doing that anyways. Uh, but in other situations, I think it is useful. So uh, I remember there's an example, I think it was a Kentucky governor who posted on Twitter or Instagram or something, a picture of him out with his family sort of thumbing his nose at the uh, the virus. And that he got a total barrage of, of social media shame for that. And I think that kind of thing is pretty effective. Um, another example, actually, a close at home example is with this protest that recently happened in Vancouver. Mm. Um, people saying that we, we need to open the government, the government's overreaching, all this kind of stuff. And the, the very first tweet that I saw, the most upvoted tweet was from Seth Rogen, who said, well, for the purpose of this show, you're a darn idiot or something. Yeah, and, he said words and, we probably shouldn't say, say on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I think that kind of thing is actually very effective as well, because it shows Somebody who there's probably respect for among among uh, a, a younger community, again reinforcing what the norms of the society are and sh- and showing approval for the people who follow them and shame for the people who don't. Uh, one other question: uh, Will this change? Do you think the further it goes, once we get to the May long weekend, if we're going into the summertime and we're still told stay home, don't go out, does, does the psychology change? Yeah. So the research on this suggests that. Again, going back to how bad we are with risk. So we tend to overreact and underreact. And, and the, the path at which this happens is we tend to overreact to these types of situations to begin with. We panic and then, and then we underreact, underreact thereafter. So the, the, the risk assumption curve falls faster than the actual risk itself falls. So what you could expect is probably some degree of uh, uh, people becoming less um, um, adhering to to the uh, protective behaviors. On the other hand, there's also a, a bunch of legitimate reasons why we should be returning to normalcy as well, for not just selfish reasons, but but uh, important reasons for saving other lives. So so it's going to be a challenge going forward. I think we're going to have to really deal with some serious trade offs.